Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals. The place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and in episode 63, I've got a guest who's going to have great insight into looking back at SC's win over Fresno State and ahead to the matchup with Oregon State. Paul Leffler is the radio voice of Fresno State football, meaning he's seen the Bulldogs, Beavers, and Trojans up close and personal. Paul, I appreciate you joining me this week on the Everything USC podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Nara. It, it wasn't as much of a pleasure for Fresno State and the Coliseum as the Bulldog fans were hoping, but yeah, definitely have some perspective on the Beavers and the Trojans, and I think that's going to be a heck of a game in Corvallis. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more. You can also find it at the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. Dot com and on social media at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Paul, where do the people reach out to you or catch up with you on any kind of media? Yeah, yeah you know, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram, but probably Twitter's the easiest way to interact. P356-L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R. So that's where you can find me. The Everything USC Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. For the first time since 2005, the USC football team has started a season with three straight games of scoring at least 40 points after the Trojans' 45-17 defeat of Fresno State Saturday night at the Coliseum. SC once again got off to a fast start, scoring touchdowns on its first three possessions and not allowing the Bulldogs to get any closer than 11 points throughout the game. Caleb Williams had his worst start as a Trojan, but still threw for 284 yards and two TDs while adding two more touchdowns running. Austin Jones had 110 yards and a TD on the ground on 12 carries, while Travis Dye added 102 and a touchdown on 11 rushes, making them the first USC duo to both go over 100 rush yards in the same game since 2018. Mario Williams and Jordan Addison both had six receptions, with Addison getting into the end zone for SC's first TD of the game. The defense had five sacks, two by Tuli Tuipolotu, and two more takeaways with an interception and fumble by Fresno State QB Jake Hayner, who was hurt on the sack that caused his fumble. 
However, the Trojans did give up nine plays of 15-plus yards to the Bulldogs, four runs and five passes, with two of those plays accounting for the Fresno State touchdowns. That's not including two 15-yard penalties on the defense as well for roughing the passer and pass interference. Paul Leffler, what did you see calling the game that impressed you the most about the Trojans? Well, obviously, the speed on offense is a significant factor. I mean, Addison is so adept at getting open with the ball in his hands. He's electric. I mean, he's scored in every game so far, so you can count on it happening against the Beavers at some point. He's just a guy you always have to account for, but he's not alone. I mean, you look at Williams and Rice and so many others on that offense, the one-two punch in the backfield, as you pointed out, with Dye and Jones. And, you know, I think from an opponent perspective, Fresno State's known this game was on the schedule for a while. And last year, watching the Trojans, you thought, okay, Fresno State's going to have a real good chance to beat USC. And then the offseason happened, and Lincoln Riley got hired, and all these guys came in. I mean, Fresno State played against Dye last year. He struggled against Fresno State for the University of Oregon. Jones wasn't a world beater at Stanford, but they're able to go out and grab those guys, insert them immediately, and make them effective in this offense. And I think one of the biggest reasons those two were effective not just the play of the offensive line, which is a veteran line and Voorhees and Nilon. I mean, they're so experienced. They're so good. But the play of Caleb Williams, the dual threat capability that he brings to the table, something USC has never really featured before, is a big, big deal. And that keeps a defense on its heels. And I thought that was a huge factor in this game. And of course, a big factor in the game as well was the injury to Jake Hayner happening on the first drive of the third quarter when he got sacked and rolled his leg under. And also, the defensive captain for Fresno State, Evan Williams, got hurt in the first half. You saw both of those guys on crutches in the second half. That really turned it, I think, to help USC out when you have two of your stars out of the game. But do you have updates on how Hayner and Williams are doing, just so everyone knows? You know, there's no official update yet, but uh, it doesn't look promising to see them back on the field anytime soon. And that's a huge blow. You know, maybe in Trojan land, people might not realize how crucial those two guys are to Fresno State's hopes. But just to put it in perspective, when they had the Mountain West Media Days this summer in Las Vegas, those two were the representatives. Those are the two team captains, you know, the quarterback and the quarterback of the defense. And they're just tremendous young men off the field as well as on the field. So it's a a really tough one to stomach. And there were other injuries. The other starting safety, LJ Early, went out and is under concussion protocol. Dante Bull, a veteran tackle, pulled his groin late in the game. There are a few other guys who haven't been practicing this week because they're banged up from that battle. But I think it was the Hayner injury. You know, the Williams injury early, yeah, that was a big blow to the defense. But Fresno State had found a little momentum. Fresno State had the ball, you know, driving to get within four if they can score a touchdown there. And Hayner gets sacked. You know, you saw what happened to his leg and he doesn't come back. And I think at that point, the game for all intents and purposes was over. But credit both teams for playing it to the finish. USC left a a lot of the offensive starters in towards the end and showed what the Trojans are capable of. And I'm looking forward to the next battle in 2026 between Fresno State and USC. But I, I think it's a real fascinating battle this weekend with the Beavers and Trojans, especially with the contrasting styles offensively. Yeah, we are going to talk more about that coming up. But to finish off the review of the Fresno State game, like I said, the defense still having some issues. I mean, the backup quarterback, Logan Fife, comes in and goes 11-12 on the Trojans for 140 yards. And Jordan Mims ran for 114 on just 15 carries. I mean, 
is USC's defense good enough to make it a legitimate Pac-12 title and college football playoff contender? I think that's the big question, Nara. I don't think there's an answer to that question yet. Is the potential there? Sure. There's a lot of depth on the defensive line. Tui Pelotu is a guy you just have to answer for, and he had a phenomenal game, and I think he's maybe the key player in the battle with the Beavers coming up. But, you know, for Fresno State to rattle off big runs with Mims and Malik Sherrod, his backup, to see how easily Bulldog receivers got open. And they do have a great receiving core. This might be the deepest receiving core we've ever seen at Fresno State. So I, I think the Trojan defense has a lot of questions to answer still. And you can also say, well, hey, all three games have turned into blowouts. So has there really been a lot of pressure and intensity on the defense to come through in the clutch? But I think there may be against Oregon State, and that's going to be interesting to find out. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I am Nara Wang. My guest this week is Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State Athletics. And if you enjoy listening to this show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Or go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, we're at Believe Network and at Believe Sports, or catch up with me directly on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Paul, how do the people catch up with you? P356 Leffler on Twitter is usually the best way to connect with me. You know, there are a few other things I do. If people are World War II buffs, they may enjoy uh, HometownHeroesRadio.com. It's a syndicated show I do with World War II vets, a lot of times meeting them when I travel on the road. But if you're talking football, most of that content is going to be on Twitter. It's the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network with Nara Wang. Hi, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Keep listening. I know I will. And it's time to get to the preview of the game coming up on Saturday against Oregon State for the number seven ranked team in the country, USC Trojans. It's going to be a 6.30 p.m. Pacific start on the Pac-12 network and, of course, on the Trojan Radio Network flagship station, KABC 790 AM in Los Angeles. And Oregon State, like the Trojans, coming in 3-0. They've defeated Boise State, Fresno State, and Montana State on the season so far. Their head coach, Jonathan Smith, in his fifth year at the helm of his alma mater, just a 19-28 and overall coaching record, but they went 7-6 and last season, the first winning season for the Beavers since 2013. USC has historically dominated this series, 63 wins against just 12 losses and 4 ties, and winning 4 of the last 5. But that one loss was a very ugly one. Last year at the Coliseum, 45-27, the most points ever scored by Oregon State against USC. The first Beavers win in the Coliseum since 1960. I mean, just a brutal, brutal loss in a season full of brutal losses, let's face it, for USC last season. But looking at some of the key guys on offense for the Oregon State Beavers, their fifth-year junior quarterback, Chance Nolan, who transferred in in 2020 from Saddleback College. And he is so far on the season, seven touchdowns, just two interceptions, 746 yards, completing a little under 63% of his passes. He had four TD passes last year against USC. Also ran for 57 yards in that game. And he's not even the running quarterback for the Oregon State Beavers. They're running back another fifth-year junior, Deshaun Fenwick, transferred in from South Carolina last season. 
and was a backup to B.J. Baylor. But he also had 53 yards on just 11 carries against USC last year. And so far this year, 204 yards on the ground with three touchdowns. And a couple of good wide receivers as well. Treshawn Harrison, a Florida State transfer, 219 yards on 16 catches with two trips to the end zone this year. He had a touchdown and 52 yards against SC last year. And a fourth-year sophomore, Anthony Gould, had eight catches, 188 yards, and two touchdowns so far this season. But he's also a dangerous punt returner. He's already gotten to the end zone and has 104 yards on just three returns so far. They've also gotten out to fast starts, outscoring their opponents 72-27 in the first half this season. They're the only team in the Pac-12 that has scored on every trip to the red zone. The Beavers are 14 out of 14, with 12 of those trips resulting in touchdowns. So looking first here at the offense, what did you see that impressed you about Oregon State's offense when you saw them in Fresno? Well, they're a resilient offense because, you know, Fresno State had a 23 to 14 lead in that game and Oregon State didn't panic on the road in front of a sold out crowd. They run their pace. You know, they're a huddle team. They're a play action team. They can chew up a ton of clock. They had a drive in the Fresno State game that was only 47 yards long, but took almost seven minutes. They're not afraid to milk it. And when you have an explosive offense like USC's that's chomping at the bit to get on the field, Sometimes the other team's offense playing keep away can be a big weapon because it not only keeps the ball away from the offense, it changes those possessions when USC's offense actually gets out there. There's a little more of a pressing nature to those possessions because Oregon State is so adept at chewing up clock. The play action game is huge and Nolan handles it well. He throws a really good deep ball and Gould is one of those guys who can get behind the secondary. Harrison's really good on third down and possessions and, and maybe the most important guy is their tight end Musgrave. In key situations when they need a clutch reception on third down, he's the target. And he's a big physical pass catcher who can post people up, get position, and move the chains. I think he may be the most important player on their offense. Henwick and Martinez, his backup, are both big physical backs. But the guy who made a huge difference in the Fresno State game and you know ultimately made the game-winning play it was a do-or-die play at the end of the game with three seconds left. You win or you lose. And they put it in the hands of a linebacker who plays some fullback but runs Wildcat. And his name is Jack Coletto. And that's an X factor in this game. Every opponent on Oregon State's schedule is going to have to be prepared for what Jack Coletto does. But when you see a big, you know, 235, 240-pounder running Wildcat, you better have your right personnel on the field. And that's going to be an issue at some point in this game between the Beavers and the Trojans. Yeah, it's amazing how much a backup inside linebacker can mean to a game, but he does so much more than just what he does on the D. He's had a few tackles, a fumble recovery on defense, but he's also ran the ball 50 times for three touchdowns as a Wildcat QB and scored that game-winning touchdown with no time left in Fresno to give the Beavers their first ever win in Fresno a couple of weeks ago. And... Coletto is a guy that USC got familiar with last year as well as he ran a bit wild against the Trojans. Again, everyone had success in that game against the Trojans last year for the Beavers, really. And some of the key other players on the defensive side of the ball, a six-year senior inside linebacker, team captain Kyrate Fisher-Morris. He's had 22 tackles, two and a half for loss, which is tied for the team lead in both categories. He's an Arkansas transfer, came into the program in 2019. And a fifth-year senior cornerback, Rajon Wright, 
seven tackles, two interceptions, and two pass breakups this season. Last year at USC, had three tackles, a pick, and a pass breakup. A 2021 honorable mention All-Pac-12 selection. So, USC trying to stay undefeated. Oregon State trying to stay undefeated. What do the Trojans need to do to get a win? For me, I think they have to continue to avoid the turnovers. They have not committed a turnover yet this season, and that was the case with Fresno State coming into the USC game, and then they committed a couple of turnovers. USC has been great with the takeaways, so I think that's got to continue, and they've got to limit the big plays by Oregon State's offense. Like you said, they want to grind it out a little bit, have time of possession, but like you said, Chance Nolan can throw a good deep ball, and USC has been burned by some big plays this season so far, both on the ground and through the air. So I think they've got to limit those plays by the Beavers. Paul Leffler, what do you think USC has to do if they're going to come out of it 4 0? Well, I think you hit on a big one. The Trojans need to continue to take care of the football, and Oregon State has been very adept at taking it away. I mean, that opening win against Boise State in Corvallis, they had five takeaways. Their secondary is really good. Oladapo's all over the field. You mentioned Ray John Wright. Austin and Grant are really good veteran players. So that secondary is solid, and that's going to be a fascinating matchup with that loaded receiving core that USC has. I think the other thing that's going to be key is seeing how the speed matches up in the run game because Travis Dye is a fast runner. Jones is a little more physical runner, but Fisher Morris is one of the rangiest linebackers that I've seen in years. I mean, Fresno State has some really speedy guys that not only do they hand it off to, but guys they'll throw a swing pass to or try to set up a receiver on what in all intents and purposes is a running play. Fisher Morris had the speed to get across the field and take the edge away. And that's not easy to do against a team with speed. And, and USC has that kind of speed. So how's that matchup going to play out? Will they be able to turn the corner if they're on Fisher Morris's side, or is he going to stuff that out? I thought, you know, Oregon State's defense played fairly well. Fresno State put up a lot of points, but situationally, Oregon State's defense came up big in forcing field goals. And Fresno State didn't make all those field goals. You know, they missed two field goals and an extra point and lost by three to the Beavers. So they were missed opportunities, but you have to give Oregon State's defense some credit. So I thought that's the biggest thing I took away from that battle with Jonathan Smith's team. They're a mature football team. You know, it's not just raw numbers. It's how you come through in situations, third down execution on offense and on defense. And they showed some resilience, as I said before, coming from, you know, a nine point deficit on the road in the second half to pull out a victory. That's impressive. That means they have good leadership. They have good character. They stay together. And they are a physical football team. They're a little bit of a throwback. You're going to see some eye formation. You know, you're going to see a fullback in this game. You're going to see Coletto running Wildcat as a big, hefty guy. So can USC match that physicality? I don't think the Trojans have been tested to that degree yet. Rice and Stanford are fairly physical teams. Fresno State wanted to play a physical game. But I think the Beavers are going to be the most physical team the Trojans have encountered. Every week, it seems like there's new challenges that USC is going to have to face to prove that they're going to be worth the hype that Lincoln Riley has brought in as the new coach and head of the USC football program. So, Paul, it's time for us to put it on the record. It's time for the prediction segment of this show. So I'll begin by recapping last week and how the season's going for me so far as I bring in all the guests. I go up against each of them. So last week, my old pal, my old USC classmate and current 
Fresno sports anchor and reporter Scott Bemis was my guest on the show, and we basically split. We went one, one, and one against each other because the players we believe in, I chose Mario Williams, who had a solid game, six catches for 77 yards, but he went with Travis Dye. So obviously Dye with 138 total yards and a touchdown was the better performer there, so he took the players that we believed in. In the game score, I had it 34-17 for USC. Scott had it 38-27 USC. So since I had SC covering and he didn't, I nailed the Fresno State score. So I take the win on the game score. And then in our prop bet for Nara's no-doubter, I had that USC would have fewer than three takeaways. So I was correct. They only had two. And Bemis's best bet, was that Travis Dye would go over 100 yards rushing. He doubled down on Dye, and he won, so we tied there. So overall, 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the week, and on the season, I am leading the guests 4-1-2. and two. Bemis was the first guy to get a pick on me. So, Paul, let's start it off. The players that we believe in, and for this week against Oregon State, I'm going to go with my first defensive player of the season. And this is risky, I know, based on the USC offense versus defense so far this season. But this is a guy who's maybe struggled a little bit in the last couple weeks, but very talented. I think he's going to have a big bounce back game, and I think he needs to for USC's D, and that is sophomore Kalen Bullock. I think he comes up with some big plays, maybe an interception. And so this is a risky one for me, but the player I believe in, for this week for the Trojans is Kalen Bullock. Paul, who do you think is going to be the player you believe in for USC? Well, I mean, there are a lot of obvious choices, right? Caleb Williams has the track record. Addison's the best receiver in college football. Die did what you said and was impressive doing it. And he knows the Beavers a little bit from that Civil War rivalry in his four years at Oregon. So, you know, those would be obvious picks. But I'm going to go on the D-line. I'll go with Tuli Tuli Pelotu because... You know, he is a fierce pass rusher. He's a mature player now. He has the savvy on that O-line. And the strength of Oregon State's team is its offensive line. That's a very veteran group that really wants to push you off the ball. And I think the chance of a turnover for USC's defense really relies on the pass rush. It might be the secondary getting the glory, but it's going to be applying some pressure to Nolan and making him make a mistake that I think causes a turnover. And I think Big 49 is the guy who can make that happen. So I'll go with Tuli Tui Pelotu. A stunner. Both of us picking defensive players for the Trojans as the players we believe in for this game against Oregon State. So for the winner and game score, Paul, go ahead. I'll let you go first. And I'll mention that our sponsor, Bet Online, currently has USC as a six and a half point favorite on the spread in this game, even though they're traveling up to Corvallis. So Who's winning and what's the score going to be? <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I typically stay away from because I can always see it both sides. And I see the what ifs. If Oregon State does this, can they win? If USC does that, can they win? I do think that USC has a little too much offensive firepower for Oregon State. But I, I think it's going to be close in Corvallis. So I'll go with uh, 35 to 31 Trojans. You know, I could see that swing in either way, just like the Fresno State-Oregon State team did, because Oregon State keeps itself in ballgames with its style, with its ability to control the line of scrimmage. So, Paul Leffler going with the close one for Oregon State to cover, but USC to get the win. 
For me, I think it's going to be pretty close as well. I do have USC winning. I've got it by just over the spread margin. I've got it 31-23 USC. I think USC possibly could trail for the first time as well in this game and maybe give them a little bit of that early doubt that hasn't crept in at any point yet in these first three matchups for the Trojans, but I've got 31-23 USC against Oregon State. And so now it's time for our prop bet prediction. I always call mine Nara's No Doubter. So this week, Nara's No Doubter is... USC will have fewer than 500 yards of total offense for the first time this season. Even though they've played some teams that you can say, ah, you know, are they great? Are they not? I think Fresno State's a pretty good team. We'll see about Stanford, but they should be better than what they were last year. Rice is rice, sure. But USC has still managed to go 500 plus on each of those teams. I think for the first time this season, they're not going to get to the 500-yard mark of total offense. That is Nara's no-doubter. So, Paul, what are you calling your prop bet? I'll need the fancy fun name, and what is it going to be? Well, I've got to know what Scott Bemis called his. Did he call it Bemis's best? It was Bemis's best bet. Yep, yep, that sounds like Scott. He's a good man. And, and by the way, I have a daughter who's a freshman at USC right now in the Viterbi School majoring in mechanical engineering, and she's having a great time. So. You Trojans are all right. You know, I really stay away from all the betting stuff, but I, I guess you could maybe call it Paul's promise. And I'll say that Jack Coletto is going to make an impact in this game. You're going to see him either on the goal line or in fourth and short for the Beavers. And one of those plays may end up deciding the outcome of the game. Uh, maybe that sounds a little iffy for you, but I think you can guarantee they've found something with him that they know is a go-to, that they know makes the defense adjust. And, you know, Coletto is going to get the call on fourth and short or at the goal line. If the Trojans stop him, that may win the game for him. If they don't, it could cost them the game. But what a fascinating character he is. And I don't know if you know this, Nara, but he comes from a school that has one of the most unique high school mascots in all of America. He's from Camas, Washington, just outside of Portland, across the river there. They are the papermakers. And if you Google what their mascot looks like, you'll never get the image out of your head. So Jack Coletto, the former Camus papermaker, is guaranteed to get the call on fourth and shorter at the goal line. All right. So Paul's promise is that Jack Coletto is going to make a big play on short yardage from the goal line for the Oregon State Beavers. So it's a little vague, but... I think I'll let you get away with it, Paul, because I think it's quantifiable. If let's say he gets into the touchdown on a short yardage play at the goal line, that's a point for you, essentially, in that regard. So we'll see how that turns out on the prop bets. But to go over all of our predictions for this week between myself and my guest, Paul Leffler, the players we believe in, both going with USC defenders. I'm going with the DB, Kalen Bullock, Paul Leffler going with the front line in Tuli Tuipilotu. The game score. I have USC covering this spread 31-23. Paul's got it a little bit closer, 35-31 for the Trojans. And in the prop bets, Nara's no doubter is that USC will finally be held to under 500 yards of total offense, while Paul's promise is that the linebacker slash wildcat quarterback, Jack Coletto, is going to make a play 
on a short yardage situation at the goal line for the Oregon State Beavers. So things to look out for when you're watching the game, and we will see how that all works out. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I am your host, Nara Wang. My guest is Paul Leffler, the Fresno State football radio voice and voice of Fresno State Athletics. And for you Scripps National Spelling Bee fans, you may remember him from his time as an analyst for ESPN during their coverage of that annually fun event for people to check out. And you can catch this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts or go to the website Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. I am on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Paul, where can people catch up with you? On Twitter, just look for P356 Leffler. That's L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R. And thanks for the spelling bee, love. It's always fun to see people are following that. Those young people blow me away each and every year. So people have never watched that before. Tune in this next year and, and you'll be electrified. It is a scintillating finish every single time. Hey, Trojan fans, this is Brian Jones, college football analyst for CBS Sports, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with my good friend, Nar Wang, on the Believe Podcast Network. And finally, like I've been ending every show with my guests this season, the final segment is about USC and UCLA's move to go to the Big Ten starting in the fall of 2024. And for you, at the end of June, that news breaks. How shocking was it to you? Do you think it's the right decision for USC? Well, it's very shocking. I don't think anyone really saw it coming, you know, outside of a handful of people who had speculated on it, but they did a great job of keeping it within the walls of those two institutions. Now there seems to be a little bit of a buzz, whether it's self-serving or not, from Pac-12 circles that maybe the Bruins are going to stay behind, maybe they're forced to. But for USC, clearly it's the bottom line. And the bottom line, whether we like it or not, is taking over college sports. I mean, you see it in the Trojan roster this year. They've been able to assemble this team because of NIL money. I mean, Jordan Addison's not coming without the million-dollar NIL deal. And you look at the backfields and the quarterback and, you know, a roster that's got 33 transfers on it. That's the new age of college football. It's more heavily influenced by money. And when you can, you know, exponentially grow your television revenue by jumping to the Big Ten, it's understandable. I will be interested to see what impact it has on all the other sports in the land of Troy, because that travel is no joke. And you have so many teams that are going to be affected by this. But there's time to figure that out. And it certainly shows courage and creativity on the part of the president and the athletic director to make that kind of leap. So. I'm a fan of people who take big chances. We'll see how this one works out. And is the Pac-12 going to take a big chance and maybe invite a Fresno State to join the Pac-12 if all of this goes down? How would you feel about that? Do you think the chances are good or bad or medium about that happening? Murky is how I'd say it because there are so many variables that are coming into play. You know, For instance, if UCLA did stay behind with the Pac-12 remaining teams, that takes away a potential spot, right? Or maybe it doesn't. Uh, what does Notre Dame do? There are all these dominoes that are going to fall. But from a Fresno State perspective, it would be a monumental development for the program. I think Fresno State has proven for a long time 
that it can compete between the lines with anybody in the Pac-12. I mean, there's so many examples I probably don't even need to tell people, but you can look at football, basketball, baseball, softball. It's happened. Fresno State has that caliber of program, can compete. If you're to pump in some television money with that and the scheduling component that a conference affiliation like that would bring, it could really take Fresno State to another level. It could help Fresno State upgrade facilities. And I don't think you'd ever worry about Fresno State being competitive. I think what some other schools would be concerned about is the recruiting factor because California is fertile recruiting ground. The Central Valley has produced a lot of players. And to have Fresno State in the same league may take away a recruiting advantage that some of those schools currently have by virtue of their affiliation. I think the biggest thing, if people say, well, has Fresno State really done that? Is Fresno State really that good at producing good teams and athletes? Let me just throw a few names out here, right? Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Paul George, who everybody knows in the Southland, and Aaron Judge, who everybody knows all over the planet. So we've seen all those young men not just come to Fresno State, but stay at Fresno State, thrive at Fresno State, be loyal to Fresno State in the professional ranks. And all four of those guys have changed the sport that they're playing in. And what Aaron Judge has done this year is is revolutionize the game of baseball and have a season nobody's ever had before. And all of that is a good reflection on Fresno State. Those guys will go to bat for their alma mater. So that's what you'd be bringing into the Pac-12 if you brought Fresno State along. Well, Paul, really appreciate your perspective about the Bulldogs and the fact that you've gotten to see all the three teams that we talked about in this podcast so far this year. Really great to have you on the show this week. Anytime, Nara. It's a privilege, and that's going to be a whale of a ball game in Corvallis. I'm looking forward to watching it myself. For my guests, Fresno State play-by-play broadcaster Paul Leffler, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 63 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show with a hearty fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.